Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 73. I'm your host, Dan Holzman, and the special guest on this podcast is the one and only Chris Cremo. Very excited to talk to Chris and very excited about this podcast getting out to my listeners. All right, let's thank our sponsorship. The sponsor, of course, is the IJA, International Jugglers Association. They put on a great yearly festival and offer so much more at Juggle. So go to juggle.org and find out more about this fantastic group of jugglers. Okay, we've thanked our sponsors, we've built some anticipation, so now drop everything and listen to Chris Cremo. Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 73, my very special guest, legendary juggler, Mr. Chris Cremo. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Of course, uh, you, you know for a fact that you are my favorite juggler. Well, so I didn't know. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, when I saw you when I was about 16, 17 on the Murray Griffin show, it changed my life. Because I had, I had learned to juggle when I was 14, but didn't really see another juggler, except for uh, Bobby Sandler, who did just three balls and ate the apple. And I thought I was very good until I saw you. Hmm. And I realized I was not that good. And maybe I would never be as good as you, but you inspired me to become a professional juggler, so I thank you for that. Uh, well, you're very welcome, and I'm happy I could inspire you. Now, I'm a, a first-generation juggler. Like, my my dad was a big buttons. We had no connection to show business. So what was it like being part of an entertainment dynasty, and how many generations does your showbiz family go back? Well, um, I'm the fourth generation. My son is the fifth. My great-grandfather started that. He actually ran away from the family to join the circus. And um, I have to think about that. Maybe he can come back later. I forgot uh, to which family. I think it was a Shepherd Shepherd family. There was another big uh, family group in. in so he ran away to join the circus with the Schaefers. Yeah, was it like Serbia Schaefer. The, the there was a strongman juggler by that name. Or? No, it was a different. Uh, was a different family. Anyway, he went there and he learned there. Uh, some acrobatic and this and that, and then um, then he started to work on the street, you know, putting the wire from one house to the other and walk the wire. And how did he get paid for that? Did he then just pass the hat? Or for this I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, this I don't know. Okay. Uh, that's a long, long but time he was ago. A wire and um, not a juggler, a wire walker. Wire walker, and then he had also some idea because they couldn't hang up the trapeze anywhere on the street, so he was uh, standing on uh, stilts. Stilts, you say? Mm-hmm. Stilts. Stilts. Was holding the trapeze and um, his wife would um, do some movements on it. I don't think you, you, there's some paintings about it, how it's swinging, you know, mm-hmm. but I cannot believe that you can hold it uh, while it's swinging. We are without any kind of supports or yes. anything? Uh, no. so that I was, think that was uh, his invention, like a portable trapeze rig? Yeah. But uh, like I said, you know, they have this. This uh, it's in that time they made lots of uh, of uh, kind of photos, but they were manipulated. I think mm-hmm. there's one photo with the two horses, right, right, and they have the leg up, and it looks like they're doing with one uh, arm. They're standing on the horse's leg, right? yeah. And I know exactly that uh, the horse could not stand like this. He wouldn't have the strength, you know, sure. to hold, you know, but to make. Like posters, and there was a lot of fantasy involved. Well, they had juggling pictures like that too, where before they had, they could actually catch the balls still, they would just hang them by strings. Mm-hmm. And a person could juggle 9, 10, 11, whatever. Yeah. Like, as long as it looked good for the promotion. Like you can do nowadays with computer animation. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Or you could probably do the same trick 10,000 times, and then when you finally get it, 
you put that on your reel as if that's something you can do consistently. Yeah, right. So, yeah, there's some, yeah. There's some fakery nowadays, but there was some fakery back then because you said they, they had pictures that you aren't sure were real pictures. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were not real. I mean, yeah. they, that they didn't perform like possible. this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then your grandfather, Carl Cremo, so you actually met him and he were, you were alive. How old were you when he passed away? And was he a performer I as well? Yeah, I was about, uh, to about six years mm-hmm. old. And what kind of uh, act did he do? Well, the same. They all continued actually doing the same thing. And this was the act. Yeah, my great-grandfather started to get kids and then he started to do this act and got more and more kids. You know? Right. He had 13 kids. And, uh, all together, yeah. But one died already mm. right at the beginning. After he was born, so there were 12. One of the 12 became a musician. Right. And funny enough, from that line, of um, there was uh, Ziggy Cremo. He was a pianist, mm-hmm. and all his uh, his children and the children uh, of of them, uh, they became uh, doctors. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they didn't follow in music; they, they all became doctors. Yeah, it's funny, you know. They live in Basel, Switzerland. Right, right, right. I see them from time to time. Yeah. Now, for my my listeners who don't know what Risley is, can you explain what kind of act that is? Well. You know what it is, yeah. so why I have why the foreigners have to explain in like <laughs> terrible English? No, okay, well, well, it's juggling with the feet, you know, yeah. but ju- uh, juggling uh, people, right? So know. instead of foot juggling, where they would use a table or, or a, right. a chair a, or umbrella, like, I don't know in English, but it's in German, it's antipod, antipodes, antipodes, yeah, yeah, in yeah. English. And uh, obviously, it's that um, you juggle with, with other people, yeah, and, yeah, so uh, juggling people with the feet. And the, the, the top person is usually smaller, maybe like a, a child or someone like Well, you can do, you, there should be lighter, but nowadays you, they also grow up. And the thing is, sometimes they start like if it's two brothers and they start, the older brother takes the younger brother on the feet, but then the younger brother gets bigger and bigger, you know, right. so it becomes more difficult. Sometimes they have to quit, sometimes it works out. Uh, they, of course, they used to take uh, children. I was lucky for some reason they recorded uh, in the 19th century, end of 19th century, there's a recording which I got a hold of and you can see it. So they they were flying really like crazy, uh, but they didn't have really a very elegant style. You know, they were coming off <laughs> sometimes extremely funny looking. But what I saw uh, really it's on, on video because in one of the books it says that they did a triple. Triple, triple. Triple somersault, right. yeah? also from from sitting, mm-hmm. the triple somersault back into sitting, and I know some other artists that they didn't believe it, and I actually have the clip at home from this old movie. They really did it, you know. But that'd be quite it was, a stunt. But it was uh, it was a child, yeah, uh, maybe seven. But still, a triple would be quite a seven, quite a high old. toss and yeah. a lot of quick, rot- quick yeah. rotations. Did you ever do that yourself? Were you no, ever being no. kicked around? No, no. Yeah, well, no. kicked around, yes, but not <laughs> not, not, by, not by your father. <laughs> Now, what was your first memory of juggling? Because you, you grew up with juggling basically your whole life. What was your first image of it? Well, the very first, um, somehow that stays in your mind, uh, was five years old. And uh, I had to start to throw one ball from one hand to the other. And my father was actually quite um, a tough, tough teacher. Somehow it left something in me that my mother told me later on that sometimes when, because they left me alone at home in that time, they would work in, in nightclubs or whatever. And so I, I stayed home alone, which nowadays you, you know, people don't do that anymore. But in that time, there was different, uh, different thinking. 
that my mother said she came home and she woke me up to go to the toilet, uh, that I woke up and I would move my arms like I was juggling. Right. Now, <laughs> did he start right away or did he sort of, like right away it was sort of a strict training or did it sort of start simply as a game and then move into training? Or Well, he started like a game but it increased ex- extremely fast every time, you know. Right. I, I remember also later on when I was 12 or 13 or 14 or 15, I would visit him uh, over summer vacation. It was obviously the first day was like 15 minutes, you know. Right. Then the second was a half an hour and the third, fourth, it was already one hour, two hours. Then it went into three hours very quickly. Now, we so, also trained you uh, by mail, like when you weren't with him. He had a technique for sending you letters. What kind of training did you get over the mail? Well, he just would write down with the tricks he wanted to do. The tricks, yeah. yeah. He would explain the tricks and how to do them. And I was supposed to practice that all the time. And I was lucky that I have a little bit of talent because I think I always started about three days before I knew it was okay. coming. I right. started to approach those tricks. Did you find it fun or did you just find it like something you were doing basically it was, to satisfy your father? It was up and down. It was something I had to do for my father at one point. Uh, in between, sometimes I enjoyed it. Then uh, because my father was so tough and strict that um, it discouraged me actually sometimes to go through it. There, there was one incident where I started to realize that um, I actually do it for myself. I wanted to have a bow and arrow. Okay. And uh, my father promised me to buy that uh, one day. I wasn't really certain what day uh, at one point. And in the meantime, one of the neighbor kids, he was selling a bow and arrow. And um, I, I was buying it like so something for $5. You know, at that time I was like uh, selling... Uh, toys and get money for it or old magazines and so you always got some pockets and um, I don't remember exactly how old I was maybe 13 I would say around there and so I had bought this bow and arrow and I was hiding it in my room so my father wouldn't see it no okay and it was a Sunday and on Sunday I never had to practice and then my father would say to me if you practice three hours today I buy you tomorrow the bow and arrow which I had already right 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 so I went and I practiced in three hours, even knowing that sure. I don't need the bone arrow. And actually, this was a commitment so for myself that I'm not doing it for for a present or for my father. I'm actually taking this three hours to practice. Was he going to give you money that you were going to not spend on the bone oh, arrow? I don't know anymore. Just I don't <laughs> know anymore. Yeah, 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 I don't know anymore. If, you if just wanted to practice. About, and I think, I think the next day he said, let's go and buy this bow and arrow. And I said, it's okay, I don't need it, you know. We never knew. I never right, told right, him right, right. all his life. I never told him that I had it already. That's funny. So you actually at that moment said, I just want to juggle. Right, yeah. I'm going to practice not for the bow and arrow. I practice for myself. It's for my future. And now, do you ever, ever like, I know you have your show and you, you've worked for so many years. Do you ever just juggle for fun? Do you ever think, I'm just going to get the stuff out, not for practice, not for the show, just juggle for fun? Well, for fun, I mean, actually, I always turned uh, practice into fun and, and performing is already a lot of fun, I mm-hmm. think, you know. I would say I never did it for fun because it always was fun. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was about, I tell you, I was about 36 years old right. where I actually really realized that most people do a job they don't like. Yeah, I lived in a fantasy world. I thought everybody is doing what he wants to do, you know, because I really enjoyed it. That's you know? a fantasy world. Yeah. But I think if you can do what you like and actually get paid for it, it's not work, right? It's just it's just what you want to do anyways. And you just the bonus is that people pay you as well. Right. That's the way I look at it, actually, yeah. When you're going back to your father, 
did he did he coin the term gentleman juggler? Was that how he was no, described? No, it's actually strange because the gentleman juggler was a different style. Those were the ones who did the, with the, the golf uh, sticks and yeah. golf balls and uh, a lot with the, um, I don't know, in English too, we should, it's a cue. Oh, cue. Like maybe like Felix Adonis. Exactly. That yeah, was yeah, a yeah. typical... They just like everyday that, props yes, and stuff. Yes, this was actually a typical gentleman juggler, you yeah. know. And, they were uh, dressed like they were in the salon. Or they also, would, yeah. yes. And uh, I think, see, the idea of my father was because everything, there was uh, jugglers doing um, balls and, and some hats and cigar boxes, but in a different way, like you see W.C. Fields, the way he did a comical it, was different. And I think the, one of the very first ones my father told me so that somebody was doing three cigar boxes on a table, just manipulating them around on the table. Is it Gildoba or someone different? No, Gildoba did already, he didn't proper. But also in a different way. We um, did it on a small, like yeah, he was standing exactly. Yeah, 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 he was standing on something, and uh, and he then he just combined it. These three objects, you know, like the three balls, three mm -hmm. hats, three boxes. And his idea was because in that time this were really pieces everybody was using. Right. In, in his time, there were still people walking around with a bowler hat or a top, a hat, top or, hat, you know. So it was also different. Oh. Now, it, now it's more like a prop than it used to be. So that was the idea. And after all the talking and surging, I think it's just a three-piece juggler, you know. Yeah, three-piece referring also to the way he dressed because he wasn't dressed like a typical circus performer. The main idea actually for this act was uh, one thing is that um, you can work almost everywhere. Mm -hmm. You were not depending on height, like, yeah. you know. If you do seven seven hoops or then continue, you start to need height and stuff like that. And the other thing is that you can do it a little bit longer than some other juggling, uh, which is much harder. Like right, it's then, not as hard but then like the, nowadays the anyway, style. like even Sergey Ignatov, he worked for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, so much longer than they used to, you know, in the in the old days. Well, Bob Bronson so, worked for to quite an old age as a very high technical. Of course, he just did just one prop, basically the hoops. But he did like seven of the large hoops. Yes, yes, yes. No, very. Um, was, yeah. uh, I think uh, if you if you start uh, mentioning good jugglers, he's uh, definitely one of them. Definitely, probably one of the tops. Uh, yes. He was another juggler who started from a family. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think uh, if you look at the jugglers who started later versus the ones who started as part of a, a group or their parents juggled, there's a certain consistency, a certain something that's in the bones. I think that's hard for the the jugglers who came later. Of course, someone like a Dick Franco didn't take it up until much later and he became a very consistent mm -hmm. uh, professional juggler yeah well then it also depends on the character you have you know he wanted to he 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 wanted to get there you know he had yeah, good, good role models I think uh, Bobby May and uh, was a big inspiration for him yes very much now besides your father were there other jugglers who inspired you who you saw I know you, you said your father actually worked with Rastelli did he tell you stories about uh, Rastelli and what Rastelli did? Only told me one story. They were working together in the theater and uh, my grandfather talked to Rastelli and said, my son is also practicing juggling. Mm -hmm. And Rastelli only mentioned, I can hear that. <laughs> okay, he was dropping a lot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> now, your father, when he did the cigar boxes, were they actual cigar boxes? No, never. They were made of wood. Always, yeah. Yeah. And do you use the same style? Because what amazed me about your boxes, I don't think I'm giving away the secret, is that they're very light. And some of the ones that you buy nowadays are a lot heavier. Do you always use a very light box like that? But you try to make them light. But then also you cannot make them too light because then they break faster, you know? Right, right, right. So. 
you go so, through lots of sets of boxes or yes and no sometimes you get unlucky you start breaking them you know one time i had a one-year contract at tiger palace in frankfurt like 20 years ago and uh, i had 14 top hats with me oh the spring the spring loaded ones yeah. did you bounce and and um in the first month i broke 10 of them because so that was the only time you ever though. yeah very but it really uh it was incredible it's just if we describe your act with the top hats it's of course, you juggle them and you do lots of different manipulations. But one of the things you're known for is would they call it bounding or bouncing the the top hat from rim to rim mm. on your forehead? And what would be like a, in your shows? You do three or four bounces. You, used to. Used to. Then used to. What's, what's it down to now? <laughs> well, it's a double jump. The the third flip is goes for a catch. Okay. It used to be four. Yeah. And um, the thing is also it uh, depends on the material. If you have like if they're newer, they jump much faster and better, you know. Mm-hmm. And while they get start to get older, they jump slower, right. and then you don't really get the, the speed because it's not up to me alone. The, uh, it also depends really a lot on the on the material. Should you think of the, the and the material gets worse or? and worse. Like bowler hats, uh, there's yeah. a whole story I tell you. I used to have bowler hats that would last me two years, one and a half, two two at least. And uh, then this guy retired. He sold all his stuff to a woman, and she's making them, and they are awful. You can't really juggle with them. And then I found another company, and then they made them, and they made them out. The whole hat is only out of fill. So it's very soft. No, it's, they, they make it uh, stiff, but mm. you just drop that one and it, it, it's broken. It's like juggling with a piece oh. of crystal, you know? Right. And then they reinforced it there and there, and they made it a little bit better, but the, it's not the same anymore. It's, uh, and you have this with a lot of things like tape. The tape is not as good anymore as it used to be. The glue is not mm-hmm. as good as it used to be, you know? Same thing with like a spinning ball. It's hard to find a good spinning ball anymore. Yeah, yeah it gets harder and harder. Now, did you think of your props as having like personalities? It was like, this is my favorite boulder hat? Or- oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, no, no, you have this, of course, yeah. They didn't get names, but they have numbers, yeah. Right. And no to no, because like, for example, if I would buy 10 top hats nowadays, mm-hmm. no, or, or I did, and uh, you get them, they're all handmade from the factory. Right away, they're all not the same in, in uh, weight. Right. Okay, you almost cannot feel it, but when you juggle them, you do feel it. And then some of them are very good for jumping, some are so-so, and some are bad. Right. So they start to get numbers, these are the good ones, and then usually when I the three I perform with, I have one star in there. Okay. Who's doing the hard work and the other two are just pretending more or less. How do you do you do somehow market or you just sort of They're know? marked. No, they're, they're marked. marked. Yes. So you know that's the one you're yes. gonna have the, yes. the star bouncer. Yes. Oh that's pretty so funny. Sometimes people ask me why I look inside of the head, that's where the marker is. Oh interesting. Know? Interesting. To know which head I have in my hand. Because all they're all subtly different. They are different, yeah. Now let's go back to like the beginning of your career. So you, you trained in juggling and then you were doing some dates on your own. Why did you initially decide to work with your father? Because you worked with him. And did you plan to work with him as long as you did? Because I think you worked with him about five years. Was that the plan, like a, like an apprenticeship? But it became an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. which I'm also very happy, very thankful to my father, because it was a very important time, I think. Before that, I, st- you know, the, uh, I started something that was called Yekami. Uh, that means everybody can join. And this was a children group. Uh, performing okay. for children on right, school right, right. free afternoons. That's how you started your performing career. Yeah, I went there for an audition, and the first thing they said, "We have already a juggler." Then I did the audition, and then they kept me. And because they had a few acts, they would travel. Mm-hmm. We did all the German part of Switzerland, uh, all the cities, and um, I did this like for two and a half years. And there, actually, that was the first time I performed with uh, being recognized by an audience. 
So you got the applause. You know, I was practicing right, right, for right. ten years before you actually felt like what it's before like to I was be in front stage. of people. Yes, yeah. And How'd that, that feel? Uh, that... Very good. <laughs> and that, that was definitely then I was sure this is what I want to do. You know. And just quickly a, a little story because you want to hear a story too. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, a few years ago, we went out some artists and we had lunch together. Before we went to see a show, and there's a there's a girl. She has a trapeze act. And she was three years in the artist school, no? And I said, well, after three years artist school, you have already enacted and you can perform. I said, yes, yes, I do. I said, I practiced 10 years before I did my first performance, no? And she said, oh, you couldn't find work? <laughs> but it was a school time. Right, no? right, she, right, right. she didn't know what time I was talking about, no? But also I think time. now, like I say, that people go to, uh, they're not trained by their families, they go to a school. Or yes, they come from a, a sporting background. Sporting or, is a lot now. Because I, I think Cirque du Soleil probably sort of gets people through a gymnast exactly. or, or yep. a rhythmic gymnast yes. and trains them to do acts. Yes, yes. It's so a little different than coming from a, the family background yes. you did. Well, that's also something I think makes a big difference that I grew up, I mean, I didn't really grow up with show business around me because um, I went to school in Switzerland and mm -hmm. I stayed with my mother there and only visit on uh, school vacation, my father. So I wasn't really surrounded by the circus all day long or the theater. But what I realized is that there's a lot of traveling there's not being home a lot. There, you're going to miss your friends. You're not with your family. Right. But I was prepared for that. There's all the things I knew before I really went into it. I knew that, you know, like nowadays they go, then, oh, oh, but I don't want to travel and I want to do this and I want to stay right. with my family. And, or they want to work this, a cruise ship and they've never even been on a cruise ship. Yes. And they just have this idea mm. that it's going to be yeah. Oh, sometimes something, but it isn't. I was invited by the East German um, Artist School. And then one of the questions um, was, in which five-star hotel do you live when you perform? I said, there's no five-star hotel. Right. <laughs> you know, these illusions are going to be a big star. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a profession. And uh, well, even here, you're, you're, in the, you're performing in Sarasota in a very nice circus, but you're in a circus caravan. Well, there was lucky. It was like uh, it was something like this. Uh, I was staying closer when I was in Sarasota last year in one of those bungalows in a, mm -hmm. in a trailer park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, but it's like bigger, like a bigger trailer. Yeah. So yeah, you have the, you have your caravan here, but when you're not in the caravan, which five star hotel do you stay at? I don't stay <laughs> you know? in five star hotels. <laughs> well, Sometimes it happens because yeah. you do a club date or so, and they put you in one. You know. You stay there if they but pay yeah, for it. They pay for it. Yeah. If they don't so, pay for it. Yeah. You no. stay in the caravan. Yeah, or a normal hotel, you know. Yes. Yeah. So when you travel I mean, with your father, did you guys share a, a room together? Did you have your own room? Or as a young was, man, how was it you know, spending yeah, all that time it was with different. your father? Uh, like we, if we had to stay in hotels, we had the same room. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we had apartments and I had my bedroom. He had his bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I did that and I did some club dates. And then the idea was, yeah, to help me and like an apprenticeship. And the, the plan actually was to do it one year. Mm -hmm. And we started, and for some reason, uh, people were interested in this kind of act. And we got one offer after the other, and it became two years, became three years, became four years. <laughs> I know where they're interested. And then, it was a great act. I mean, yeah, I've seen, I then, didn't see it live, but I've seen it on video, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, and then uh, and there came the point that I said to my father, you know, uh, this I think never seemed to stop. And uh, actually, I would like to have my own career and so on. And then, um, in 1974, we decided uh, that we're going to split in, in 75. And then I started in 74 to make contracts for 75. And then he still was working two years and he made contracts for himself. So he worked two years past the time that you guys split yes. up as a duo. Yes. Did you always want to sort of follow in his style? Did you ever think about juggling 
a different style? The set of the boxes or maybe clubs or rings? Or of course, when you were very little, I mean, I, I had to practice everything with my father. Also, mm-hmm. I did clubs and hoops. And, and then, of course, when I saw Francis Bruin the first time on television, I went out and bought all kinds of balls and started spinning and this right. and that. Yeah, you have all kinds of ideas. But it, this is actually interesting because you said what kind of jugglers influenced me. I mean, Francis Bruin influenced me a lot. Mm-hmm. But it was not only jugglers. One of the first who influenced me was a kind of juggler was Eric Brenn. The plate spinner? Yes. Mm-hmm. But it was not even the work, it was his presentation. I saw right. him somewhere, I was 15 years old, I saw him in Circus Knie in, in Zurich. And the way he was uh, presenting the act was, and he had this like kind of olive green suit, but a street suit. Right. And the street tie. That's how he performed there. And, uh, and I always, all my life, I wanted to have this olive green. Uh, suit and I never got it anyway, you know. But well, you I was so influenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that <laughs> was was so influenced uh, by him. That was the first one. That, but how to perform? And then actually the idea for the pirouettes and uh, for the for the second part, which I used to do, and now it's much shorter. It helps mm-hmm. me only do some spins and and that's it. Then, but uh, the idea of doing another second little routine with juggling, and the pirouettes was uh, when I saw Dancing Devils. The gauchos? Or? Now you call yeah, it yeah. gauchos, but they the first group which came to Toledo in Paris. There were five guys and they were called the Dancing Devils. And they influenced me actually to do a second part with boxers. Right. So yeah, they, they come back rhythm. like an encore. Yeah, like an encore and they had this rhythm of da And firstly my idea was with the boxers, you know, this some kind of rhythm on that. Then but that's the first idea and then things anyway change because of the music you get and and what you can learn, what you cannot learn. And now, the, the style with the boxes w- was very different than you, the style of the boxes that came before you, as far as the way they would manipulate the cigar boxes. It used to be very much bent over, and they would do it very close to the floor. Was your father the first one that kind of created that sort of upright style, performing with the boxes? Or? I don't know. There used to be a parallel juggler who did boxes, uh, Woodruff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Woodruff? Peter Woodruff. Yeah. Uh, I think he did it about in, in the same way. I think, sort of upright yeah. style. Now, did you have a, uh, any kind of personal relationship with Brun? Were you were you friendly? or With Francis? Yeah. Well, we were friendly, uh, but we never talked a lot. Um, but now I met him all over, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Did you feel like you were in competition when you, when you met other professional jugglers? Never. Or was there a kinship? For me, never competition. I was with the IGA was all uh-huh. the time. They always want to make it like bring it to the Olympics, no, and stuff. You remember they that time? Competitions. Yeah, yeah. competition. And, I think Albert um, Lucas was a big proponent yeah. for the sport juggling. Yeah, maybe. And uh, I remember when you did juggling. Yeah, the running while juggling. Yeah. yeah. And I remember there when I was in 1990 in Los Angeles, and it's good we are not musicians with the piano. We have to push the piano while we're running and playing, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right, so right, right, right. This was never. And then I remember Ted uh, taught uh, Strong. Yeah. He made one time an article uh, saying that if you need special shoes for your work, right. that makes it a sport, no? And then I could not agree with this article at all because in right. ballet, you need special shoes. Sure. And I don't think ballet is considered yeah, tap sport. Tap dancing, you need special shoes. Yeah. 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 I also. think, and now they have what they call combat juggling, which is sort of juggling. Hey, I saw that. I, I did that in. Uh, I didn't watch it. I went to. I was tired. I had to be there all day. Right, right. Give some workshops, and uh, I was. I would love to be there, but I went early. Uh, they did that night. They call it fight know, night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I heard about it. I didn't watch it. I like it now because it used to be uh-huh. big groups of people, 
And now they have like a one-on-one sort of a tournament, tournament format. Yes. Where people get knocked out uh-huh. and then the, the winners fight the winners. Well, it's just, just two it, people left. Yeah, and it made to make it more interesting. I mean, I remember when I was in Japan, uh, I was unlucky because there was a Japanese production. Normally they had English production or American productions there. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a year almost. And uh, there was only a Japanese cast except right. me. Yeah. Japanese audience and I live with the Japanese and uh, I even called a friend in Vegas and he sent me this big suitcase full of props and I practice every day four hours because I didn't know what to do all day long right because you know? no one would talk to, to you I had to yeah there was no communication <laughs> right, okay. right, right, right. some of them tried and we went to play bowling and went for walks and this and that mm-hmm. and then the older Japanese they were still um, a kind uh, not so friendly to foreigners uh, I remember but there also I started to play games. It's also, it, it comes out of certain situations. I started to also make like a field and the, the, the English, you know, where the ball jumps back. And right, so, right, 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 right. And that's the, because I was so bored, you know, yeah, the yeah. whole day by myself. Yeah, the English spin where you spin yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it bounces and, and then, it comes back. And you. then I start to play games for myself, but that comes out of certain situations. So I think this is also something people like, actually for my work, I always enjoy to practice alone. Mm-hmm. I think I had a better concentration and I had a, a good plan then going through. And uh, I never liked it when other people were around because they start talking and then you start to lose a little bit the, the pace for it. You know, I like right. to get into it and then be totally into the practice. And some models, they like to talk in between and then juggle a little bit. And yeah. Then it depends also what you want to achieve. Uh, like I just met somebody somewhere, which uh, that's actually a funny story. Uh, I was listening, he was giving a lesson to somebody and he said, you should not count. And I, I found counting was always very important. Mm-hmm. It's to also find your, how, how much you improve. Right. Especially when you start a new trick, you know. Just that challenge is for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and to understand the level, you know, mm-hmm. that if I say I want to do 20 throws, I can do the 20. Then I know, okay. And I keep going. No, when this guy who was, I was uh, in a hole in um, a practice uh, place in uh, Leipzig, Germany. Right. I was visiting a friend. So I was practicing in there. And there was this other guy. And he was uh, looking at me, and then at one point he said, Ah, you do a little bit Chris Cremo style, huh? <laughs> this is the exactly. first story that I said to you. And I went on, yeah, a little bit. I said, You're doing this for say, a long time? I said, Yeah, yeah. And then I told a friend of mine afterwards, after practice, I told him the story. Yeah. I said, but you should tell him, you should tell him. He said, You think so? So when the guy came out after, and then I went to him, I said, By the way, I am Chris Cremo. He said, Are you sure? I said, you want funny. to see an idea or what? <laughs> It's like that time uh, we do a little bit Chris Cremo style. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin went to do a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest yeah. and came in third. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Yeah, he said, "Yeah," but I didn't realize he was in the presence of Chris Cremo because he just thought the the style. Yeah, yeah. well, he didn't expect me to be in Leipzig somewhere in Germany going to meet Chris Cremo. As so. far as um, your your style when you practice, do you like to practice to music or just the music you use for your act, or do you have music playing? It just is about music. Music was very important. Mm-hmm. There was special music which actually gave me the energy. Right. I needed that. That's the one thing for energy was very important for me. Um, and the other is for rhythm. I think if you practice with music, you learn much faster. Do you think you should practice the same songs, like a song you're going to use or just any song? Any song. Yeah. But then I got my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. She gave me special power. And one was like Charlie Bassey. You remember the singer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 
and because she also they had this thing. Is that it? No. Okay, well, that song I didn't like so much, but she had this huge uh, big orchestra, right. and I love big bands. Uh, the arrangements of the music was really great. And then uh, I tell you, maybe I can remember the year. I think it was uh, somewhere 95. I was working in Monte Carlo in a club, and the whole show was invited by Charlie Bessie for her birthday. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I said, this is great. I have to tell her and thank her how much energy she gave me when I was mm-hmm. uh, young and practicing. And because sometimes I would wake up two o'clock in the morning and I have the feeling I have to practice. I put the music. I remember one time my father came two o'clock in the morning to my room. He said, well, this is noise. Stop going to bed, sleep. You know? right. But I was actually like a painter who has to practice when he feels like it. Sure. I didn't have my times. So I could not say from eight to ten or it really had to come from inside. And then I would give everything. So I go there to this party. Meet Julie Bassi. <laughs> Meet Julie Bassi. She was so drunk that I could, <laughs> couldn't tell her. <laughs> she, she didn't care. Never knew I was there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. That was funny but because we, 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 was we really, were, my heart was, oh, this is it's great. Not to meet her or something, but I really can tell her how much she helped me in my career. No, as Nobody a juggler, cares. were you ever a drinker or did you just stay away from alcohol because it might affect your... Your no, there are times. Depends. Uh, unfortunately, it depends on uh, what company you have. Sometimes, yeah, you <laughs> run right. into a company and they're drinking, uh, and then you have a beer with them. And sometimes, of course, you have a whiskey. Uh, luckily, this doesn't happen too often. No, yeah, but I stay actually uh, away most of the time. Now, did your father teach? And then, you? plus, you're younger. You can. Right. It's easier to recuperate. You don't recuperate so fast right, anymore right. when you get older. No? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think <clears throat> you you obviously maintain your your fitness. You also do like a fitness program. No, As you get older, really, just no. the juggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already happy that that's enough. Yeah, the right. Juggling. Well, you say you're staying very slender, which is good for a juggler. You still fit in the same suit, or well, well, the suits don't last that long anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, more or less, I don't have. Yeah, I don't have to. Buy have you suits. have you hit your fiftieth year as a professional juggler? Have you hit that kind of milestone, or depends where you start. If you start when I was fifteen, yeah, then I'm over it. Right. It's, for me, it's a three, three categories. It's the one when, as a kid, I was still in school, mm-hmm. performing for children. Then when I started with my father, and then when I started by myself. So you're saying you had your three separate stages of your career? I think it's three different, yeah. So That's but, the way I look at it. But, but if you so take you're the 10 years older than me. Am I? I? Yeah. Yeah. Because you were born in 51, I was born in 61. Okay. Lucky you. Well, <laughs> so I came up watching you. And I remember the first time I remember seeing you was on the Merv Griffin show. Oh, okay, see, uh, so I was so 20, 27 then. Yeah, so we're thinking that's like 78 or something, or yeah, 79, because I was like 17. 78. And was that your first major TV appearance in the States? Or? In the States, first one, yeah. yeah. Uh, they called me in the middle of the night, I think it was something like 2 o'clock in the morning, and they said, oh, we want you to do uh, Merv Griffin tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Because they were filming in Vegas, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I had to ask for permission at the Stardust. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, in Europe, it's not good to do TV. They, they say to stay away. And then there was a, another older entertainer, and he said, in America, it's different. You don't have to show everything. You do that. And then people, actually, they, they say, oh, I saw him on TV. So it's more like a, a plus, you know? Right. In Europe, they thought that if you gave your act away on TV, that people wouldn't want to see it in person. Yeah, right. Like, like you give it away. Yeah, a lot of a lot of theaters and circuses were against it. If you would do that too much, they wouldn't hire you anymore because they say, oh, everybody saw you act already. Mm. We don't need you. So I did that. I did six of my first. Did you? Yeah. Hmm, I wish I, I think I only saw the one. Now, how much rehearsal time did you have? Because you worked very well with the band. Do they let you have a nice rehearsal or? 
Yeah. They were yeah. decent, yeah. They had good bands in that time. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to explain much, you know. They give their notes out. Uh, there's a conductor. And this would be, I mean, before that, like in Europe or as nowadays, uh, there's a people that cannot read the notes. Or, uh, Plus a lot of it's now pre-recorded. You know, maybe. Sometimes they ask me so many things changed, you know, from mm-hmm. when I started. When I started with the children, I came with a record. You know, okay, record? an actual record. Yeah. A and vinyl they, record. And they, yeah, and they played. Then I had another one for the next, for the balls or so. And then I became, uh, well, then I dropped it. Uh, they could not read the music. They had some nice bands, but they, they were also amateurs. Right. But uh, you took something out what they knew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this and this kind of style. Okay, this is good for the balls. It's good for the heads. And then uh, I became professional. I got the music written. Charts. Charts. And, and, and now everybody comes with a CD. Sure, or so a mini disc or, or a, or a back, back MP3. To, yeah, back back to where I started actually, you know, no. except that the technology got better. But, but you sound. prefer to work with a live drummer at least? To, yes. Yeah. No, live music anyway is much, much nicer. Like I directed the, the IJ show this last year, this year that just passed in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and there was a drummer. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to a lot of the performers. I said, hey, do you want to use a live drummer? Mm-hmm. And everyone said no. Yeah. But I, I like it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It adds that that punch to it. I was lucky in when I did uh, in Spinks. Which one? Uh, well, Spinks was that by Reno. Oh, Sparks. Uh, Sparks. Yeah, 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 Sparks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reno. Right, right. I did the playback, no? And, and uh, in the show. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Tuan Lee was there. Uh-huh. And he had the drummer. He had his drummer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went to the drummer and I asked him if he can uh, help me for the act. And he said, oh, yeah, no problem. And he's also yeah. used to working with a juggler. Yeah, and, and uh, the drummer, I mean, actually, the drummer, they, they say the most important instrument. Well, they also say, you know who's the, the guy who hangs around with the musicians? The drummer. The drummer, yeah. So sometimes it's not yeah. respected, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, I know, but no, drummers are very important. Especially for jugglers. Yes. I think that gentleman passed away, his drummer. Yeah? Yeah. From what I, I know Twan Lee now has a show, his own big spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went back to Vietnam. Uh, yeah, Vietnam. big show producer. Yeah. Probably one of the best juggling acts, too. Yeah. So you've seen the way the kind of hats he uses? Yes. With the with the ring inside? Yes. So but maybe better for the juggling, not so good maybe for the... Not for me, no, but it's a, it's a very good idea and he be, and he improved so much. I, I know from the beginning when he started. One of my favorite acts fantastic. as well. Yeah. Became really very, very good. Yeah. Great movement, works, works well with the music yeah. and uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Also, one of my favorites is Paul Ponce. Do mm-hmm. you know Paul Ponce? Yes, of course. Another, another one of my... Yeah. You're number one, but those are maybe yeah, yeah, two no. and three. I don't two. get jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but competition again, we, we started somewhere. I never never was thinking of competition. No, it's just a level. For me, it's really an art, yeah. you know. And I respect um, every other juggler and uh, even the ones who copied me. I was never upset. Well, there have been, there have been some who copied you, you know, pretty but, seriously. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, we won't mention I, any names. No, but uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, no, no, of course, but... Uh, I also say it has to go on. If a doctor invents something new, I mean, other doctors are also using it, mm-hmm. you know, so whatever. I mean, there was quite a few tricks which were not done before. And some tricks were also not copied. That you did? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody who juggles is going to have a, a unique twist on it because it's impossible to... The only thing uh, I never liked is uh, like is Jolly Dean, uh, then she colors her hair blonde and takes blue suits. And then she took also at one point my period music. So I took, I changed again. I changed yeah. about three or four times my period music because they're taking my music. And this I find stupid because there's so much music, a little bit. That's uh, a bit too much. To, uh, yeah, a little bit. You should have your own idea. Oh, and the heads have to be red. I right, mean, right. You could also take them in blue, you know, it's a nice color. Well, it's like Michael Motion. It's one thing to do the contact juggling, 
But if you wear the black suit and you perform in the same style, you sort of stolen someone's essence, not just what they do, right. but who they are. Right. And I mean, the idea with the red hats came because we were working nightclubs and mm -hmm. they have very bad uh, light, lighting. You couldn't, my father did black top hats. Right. And you couldn't see them in the clubs. Mm -hmm. Especially the inside of Two, three uh, lights they had, you know. Right. And so we went to orange. Oh. We had orange. But they came with this plastic, like they have the, the street workers have, mm -hmm. you know, so you can see them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And this was uh, with gluing and this, and it was the material was not good enough. And so that was not good. So then the next thought was then redheads, you know. That's how we started to juggle with redheads because... Right. I can only picture you with the red hats. Yeah, but that's that's, that's, that's another trademark. There was a reason, a very special reason for right. it. Right, but also they're very visible from the audience yeah. as well. They really pop out. Yeah. Then. And what year did you start at the at the Stardust? Because you did what eleven years in the Lido show there. I started uh, in December seventy seven and. Uh, finished April 89. But I saw I, you there. But I, I left a couple of times for a few months and came back. Right. I saw you there. I think I was 18 or 19. We yeah. went with the Kid Summers and a couple other jugglers mm. to pay a pilgrimage and see all the jugglers in Las Vegas at the time. There was Albert Lucas and Dick Franco, Nino Fradiani, of course, to see you at the Lido. What impressed me the most was that not only did I love your show, but the audience the way you got the audience to respond yeah. to juggling was very inspirational to me. I think a lot of it was the way you used the music, but also you had- oh, There was a big, fantastic band yeah. at that time. But also you had personality and sort of gags and humor. Yeah. Does your father also add humor or? No, no. Well, except what, that the heads are a little bit funny, you know, in their jump or mm -hmm. so. No, I started that- Because uh, you had the gags, you push your hair back. Yeah. You yeah, I started the that there, yeah. yeah. And, I like they, and they let me, you know, I had a very good management because some places you start, because I had to try out. You have ideas at home, right. but you don't know how it's going to work out on stage. So yeah. there was a lot of uh, experimenting in between. And they let you fool with the time a little yeah. bit? Because yeah. sometimes they're very much like, you do your 10 minutes. Oh or... yeah, the time was limited. Right, uh, so long, within that time you could do what you wanted. Because they wanted to have the people out back in the casino to Right, 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 to, to gamble. gamble. Yeah. You got to work with one of the greatest uh, animal acts that I've ever seen, uh, Bobby Barasini's orangutans. But then I want to tell you quickly, with the group, I don't know if, if that was the group because you said Kid Summer. Because there was one time was a group, uh -huh. so I don't know if you were in that group. So it doesn't matter. But it's funny because I think it was Kid Summer. Uh, because I think, not you, we say right. now, but i tell you just the story, sure. whatever it was. There was this group who wanted to get in and I think we were always pretty full. And uh, the maitre d' was also Swiss. And in that time we were lucky we had even telephoned uh, lines in the in the dressing room, and this guy calls me up and said, "There's a group of jugglers. They want to see the show, and so and so, and this and that." I said, "Yeah, it's okay." And then this group could go in. So now, with my questions to you, were sitting very far back or in the middle, or where were you sitting? Me? Yeah, do you remember well, that? I, first of all, I, I don't think I would ever presume, uh, since I didn't know you, to ask for for tickets. So I don't think it, maybe it was maybe kids. no maybe no 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 you didn't probably no. didn't ask I think oh I think we were sitting summer. in the back yeah probably because then the only I got a postcard in that time from Kid Summers uh, complaining that <laughs> the seats were so far back oh the seats that you got for him were in the back <laughs> and I was thinking you get him into the show and I think they didn't have to pay did you have to pay yeah uh, because yeah. I think what but we tried was, to do then you were in another group yeah another I think group. what our story was. We, we looked up your name in the phone book yeah. and we tried to call you yeah. and it was, I think it was like, uh, is this Chris Cremo the juggler? And in a very distinctive Swiss accent said, 
no this is not Chris Kreme on the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was you. <laughs> okay. Could but, be, you know, you know. Could no. be. There okay. was even people sometimes on the street or wherever. And yeah. there was a Chris Kreme said, no, oh, you sure look like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we tried. I didn't meet you until many years yeah. later. And I think it's still... And then is the thing, I tell you, then is huh? the thing of timing. Like um, the house I was living in was an open house. I had people come and stay with me. And, and then at one point, I got some people... They were like complaining that there's not enough food in the refrigerator and this and that, you know, a little bit too much. And there comes the point where you say, why well, I'm doing all this? They were all staying for free and they could use, you know, the fridge and uh, there was food. And, and then and then you get a point of, and then I remember a very good friend of mine called me from Switzerland. He said, I would like to visit you, you know? Yeah. And I said, no way. <laughs> because you were yeah, it was just a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just these moments. And then like six months later, if you would have called another time, more than welcome, you know. Right, but right. it comes to a point where you say enough is enough, you know. And then you get this phone call: Can I come stay with you? I said, no. <laughs> I remember seeing you at Sparks when you led a, a mm-hmm. workshop, mm-hmm. and I took your your three day workshop, and it was. Yeah, no, and you were helping me. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was surprised then, that not more remember. people took it. Yeah, no, no, but you were helping me with the workshop as much as I could. Yeah, I know. You know, I, know. I was happy you were there. Well, I think we have fun. We we know each other pretty good now. So let's go. Let's go back to your career as far as some of the highlights. I was wondering about the orangutans. Did you ever get to have an interact with the orangutans, or were they mean backstage? Or no, I didn't they, have did you much. Not, did you to... Stay away from them. Well, you stay away from them, but of course, um, you saw them. They were practicing backstage, also sometimes. But you know, when uh, Bobby Berosini came to join the leader show at the Stardust, there was already uh, the sea lion act, mm-hmm. Bobby Gassa. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bobby Berosini actually didn't like that. And I was a friend of Robbie, he's also Swiss. So he didn't talk to me, Bobby Bersi. Oh, we, I see. We, we didn't talk. And um, then he, uh, for some reason, I think he also got um, the possibility to get uh, Robbie Gassa out of the show. Then he was the only animal actor in the show. And about after two years, mm-hmm. I heard this voice, which I didn't know. I thought God speaks to me. It was Bobby Bersini. So, oh, you know, we are colleagues. We know we should talk to each other and everything. <laughs> Well, it's tough when you're in the same show, but it's also... Like, but then it was so... Not everybody's going to be your friend, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but, it was just a little bit silly, you know. But if you got your friend fired, he's the one that would do the, the handstand on the seal's face. Yes, yes. Face. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't upset with him, but if somebody doesn't want to talk to me and takes it so serious, I mean, he was really upset that there was another animal oh. act in the show, you know. Right, right. And, and he didn't have to. They were both great acts, you know. The seal act was great and... Uh, the orangutans was a super, super good you, you strike me as a juggler who likes to go to the festivals and the, the juggling conventions. You've been to several IGA festivals? Yes. And you've been to some European... Are you, you're, you're not going this year, though, to the European festival? No. 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 Otherwise, I would meet you again. Yeah. I'll no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm stuck with, uh, stuck with the circus. And how long does this engagement go for? Uh, to the end of September. And this is the Flynn Creek Circus? Yes. So, so if people want to see you, they can look up their website and yes. check out the tour dates? Yes. Let's talk about some, let's go back a little bit to some other career highlights and talk about some of the, you did some Royal Command performances. What was it like performing for Queen Elizabeth of England? Was that a big show? Yes, that was a very big show. Uh, Telly Savalas was in there mm-hmm. trying to sing. Trying uh, to sing? <laughs> Everything. Kojak, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There was uh, Charles Aznavour. Uh-huh. Well, he can sing. Yeah. Yeah. Just passed away, uh, what, like two years ago? Yeah, in his 90s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I worked with him a few times. Then that was a big deal to do that. Um, 
And it was funny, I did Blackpool Tower Circus before that, 75. And I could bring my own conductor. So I took the conductor from the mm-hmm. Blackpool Tower Circus. Right. Because that helps you a lot with the music rehearsal and everything, especially if you be the top heads and stuff. And then there's a dress rehearsal in the afternoon. And my father was working in a club in London. So he came to see the dress rehearsal. I dropped everything. And my father was watching. Yeah. It was the worst for me. My, was that my, made you more nervous as he was, was watching? It was yeah. my biggest critic. And uh, so, and then the evening performance was uh, really uh, super, super good. After the show, I was so happy that I went to the nightclub where my father was and uh, he congratulated me for the first time. Nice. Because he had bought a ticket for the oh, evening show. That you didn't know about. Which I didn't know about. And, and he saw the show, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, that was the first, the, the very first compliment I ever got from my father. Well, that did it mean more because he was sort of stingy with the compliments and that moment, was it worth it or? Yes, of course, of course, yeah, no, of course. How do you handle the nerves in a situation like that? I mean, obviously, if you have a long run after the first opening night and you get into it, you can kind of relax. But in a situation like that, do you have extra tips? You can tell people how to handle the nerves as far as these high pressure juggling situations? Well, the one thing is that uh, missing is part of juggling, so you should not be too scared of it. Then for me, it's very hard. It depends on where your dressing room is uh, on, and this and who are your colleagues. Because there's two things I don't like to know. I never like to know before the act how the audience is. Okay. That influences me a lot. Like if someone says they're, they're, really, ha- they're really happening tonight, that's not good for you? or If they say this is a great audience, then you start to expect a great audience. Okay. And everybody has different expectations. No? Right, right. It influences. Inside, if you say it's a tough audience, there is even, this is the, the best. If somebody has to tell me and says the audience is a little bit tough, then that's better than if they tell me they're good, because then I fight. Do you watch to, the performers who go on before you? Or never. You prefer, no, you prefer to stay back. And... I never watch the show. Yeah. I watch it at one point mm-hmm. that I know. Uh, but it's not a daily routine. I don't want to know how other acts are doing. Interesting. Because imagine, so you go, you watch the acts before you, right. and they do great, and you go there, and you're in the middle of the act, but it's not even half as good. That takes your courage away. So, uh, not that I'm afraid of it, but it influences, you know? Sure. And the other thing is that I never want to know who's in the audience. Right. You know, I mean, you coming tomorrow, that doesn't bother me. But... Um, in general, you know, when they come say, oh, there's management from there is coming or this or... Because I tell you, the biggest problem is because you do a gag or, or you finish a routine and you have your level, you know where you're at, you know, mm-hmm. if this is a better audience or worse. Sure. And then if the audience is not as good as you think they should be, then it goes in my head, why? Now this guy is watching the show and the audience is not too... And I start thinking. Right. And I don't miss more. But my timing is off. So it influences. Mm-hmm. It always influences, you know. I just like to go out, do my work, and go back, you know. Yeah, I like to sort of sometimes downplay it. Like you think, oh, this show doesn't matter that much, or there's nobody there who's important, or no one's going to hire me for something else, whether I do good or bad. It takes the pressure off a little bit. Well, yeah, you also have to be careful that you don't go into laziness. Then. If, <laughs> right, I, right. If, I, if I say, well, it's not that yeah. important. No, it's actually always very important. Sure. But uh, what I do is that I say to myself, I just um, do the best I can. That's it. And always what I say to enjoy. Try right. to really enjoy, you know. You look like you're having fun. Yeah. It's part of your appeal, I think, is that a lot of jugglers, they look like they're concentrating. They're mm-hmm. just, all they're thinking is 
what they're doing. You seem to have a joie de vivre, a spark that comes through. And is that because you're just having fun or is that something you try to put across? No, I try to have fun. I think it's also with the top hats that are there. I listen really a lot to the audience. You know, I try to to have a a timing uh, according how the audience Mm -hmm. is. It took a while to toughen up your forehead to be able to bounce the hats like that? No, no. So I'm just assuming it hurts, but it doesn't hurt. No, it's a... You know, I tell you who has uh, really problems with their head is uh, Chinese vase jugglers. Right, they usually wear the hair away. Yeah, and they get... um, What what do you call that? Callous? Yes, but really strong, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was like when we met Felix Adonis. Yeah. He used to do that trick where he would slide the picture frame. Yeah, yes. And every time, I guess, it would smack him. Yeah. And he he would would say, feel here, feel here. Really? And it was, yeah. Okay. It was like a hard callus. No, yeah, no. The, the only problem I have sometimes is that the, the rim can cut me. Oh. My forehead and uh, yeah. I have a little bleeding. While you're on stage, a little bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. This can happen. But what? it's not from bouncing. It's just because they, they come in a bad angle, like a plate or something, and then they can cut you a little bit. Because the edges are pretty thin still. They're not light because they're sort of spring. Yes. I, mean, I think it'd be difficult for someone to learn that. I don't know if jugglers now want to go through that well it depends on the heads uh, they it, also depend on the on the temperature if it's warmer right they get, the rim gets softer and if it's colder the rim gets harder uh, do you have access to good top hats now or do you are you happy with the top hats you're getting or well the factory i used to get all the top hats they just finished doing top hats because the guy who used to do the top hats retires right. and there's no new people who do top hats so did you order a bunch so of them if I, the, the last order the last thing they had was eight eight top oh. hats Anyway, I'm, I still have enough top hats, so I'm not worried about it, you know. Right, right. And uh, Harrison, I don't know what he's going to do in the future, but then of course you had to look for a new, new factory or start, at one point maybe you have to start to build them yourself. Sure. Uh, I got this, you know, there's this big company in Geneva who do um, a ba- Babach, I think. Babash. Babash, is yeah. it here? This is a guy, he used to work in the in a gymnasium, a gymnasium, I mean, like college, mm-hmm. yep, for exercises. Like a like gym. A, gym, like more of a working out. Yeah. Fitness. Uh, fitness. And uh, in 84, I had, uh, with Circus Knievy, had an uh, appointment there with the newspapers because he, he changed it also to like, a little bit acrobatic and juggling. Mm-hmm. So we, we had the appointment there. That's where I met him the first time. Daniel is his name, uh, Schambach. Uh, yeah, he was a teacher there in that in that school. I don't remember how I did it, but so he came to me one time and he thanked me for the idea to start to produce uh, juggling props. Oh. You know, so I don't know about that. Anyway. Well, you inspired but another person. I, so I guess so. I don't even remember. But he wrote me last year uh, that he would like to go into now more serious into toppets and uh, cigar boxes, no? And if I could help him with that. So I was thinking actually maybe he could make a deal that he starts, if, if I give him ideas for top hats, mm-hmm. then, then I have a place where they make right, top right. the way I can use them, no? Yeah. So I only uh, wrote him very shortly, kind of um, business deal we could have there, no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never answered me again. <laughs> oh, I mean, you want to have a Chris Cremo line of hats, you should have a bit of a... A piece of it, yeah, right? I didn't want to get rich on it or whatever, but the idea maybe then I can. Yeah, you kind of get expensive. It's like I, I, in my in the back of my head, you know. But it was funny being not even a, a peep anymore because you wanted a small maybe a percentage. I don't know what he was thinking. No, no, oh. not percentage even. It's just uh, that I, no, I would even pay for what the. I don't know if the, I don't know if the market is big. I think the biggest juggling prop seller is just the balls. Yeah. I think most of the prop sellers make their money just selling the balls. Balls, um, clubs, maybe, clubs. and hoops. Yeah. 
which are, so, which are the, the you know the the standards. But now there's more. Do you know about like this flow, like mm, what they call yes. this flow? Mm. What do you think about that style of juggling? A- anything can be nice. Right. You know, it always depends how you how you present it and uh, mm-hmm. and for what purpose, really. Are there any uh, modern what jugglers you? who you see now who you particularly like that you see uh, that you watch, you admire, that you see as sort of this new, new generation? I don't know. No, you don't. You don't step on it. Um, the the one thing is that I don't really make big research on it. Mm-hmm. And the other, I tell you a story. I went to my bank place. Um, the director, as you know, the director is like a branch manager. Okay. Called branch manager came to me, and uh, it's just uh, two, three months ago. He said, he said, I'm sure you, you, you're good in your uh, profession and so, but um, everything changes in your profession also, just like it changes in every profession. The juggler now in knee. It's just so different, and uh, it's just so. He's also dancing, and it's uh, very different, you know. At that time, I didn't know who was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, in the meantime, then I was traveling, and I find before I went to see Victor by Knie, I, I knew when he was going to be there. So then I went back, when I had, and I didn't even want to get into the discussion with her. And then when I went back, then I said, "You're right, you know, things change." I said, "You know, the first time I've worked with this juggler, Victor Key, uh, yeah. was in '94." <laughs> <laughs> That's how new this is. Right, right. But and so in general, I don't know, you know, it's, um, they change certain things. It's like with the manipulation of boxes, you know, how they mm-hmm. started to make them completely different. You can do that, but it depends what kind of purpose you is behind it. And what you think is better or what is more effectful for the audience or... Have you seen Eric Bates? No. No, you should... <laughs> what is he doing? He has cigar boxes. Yes. But probably... The best of the modern cigar yeah. box jugglers, very acrobatic, very. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to go into acrobatic no. anymore. And no. dancing? No dancing. Yeah, no dancing. No dancing. What about retirement? Do you think about the thing it? is the thing is well, I'm already half retired since a long time. I right. I don't I don't work the whole year anymore. Mm, okay. I'm like five six months at home. Oh, all right. And what kind of hobbies does Chris Grimo have when he's not juggling? Chris Grimo has no more hobbies. No more hobbies? No, I used to do horseback riding, I used to play right. tennis, I go skiing, uh, but I actually do less and less um, hobbies right now. The last years, I spend a lot of time, as much time as I can with my children, mm-hmm. and uh, travel around and visit friends. But right. I tell you, the thing is, when you say dancing and this and mm-hmm. that, uh, the boxes do have a very special purpose. Not to move as much as you can. Because this gives an illusion to the people that it, it's like some people think it's mm-hmm. magnets or right, this right, right. or that. I mean, especially if I did club dates for engineers or architects, right. like people like that, they are fascinated by it the most uh, because they really think, and that only gives you if you not move. If you start to do other things, like what they mm-hmm. used to do with this manipulation, yeah, yeah, yeah. This around, you take this away. The, the point is, that the, the middle is supposed to stay as, as much yeah, yeah. as it can. And when you take, the first time you start to take out the middle, it's actually, uh, okay, you can do that too. Because at first they really think this is it's fixed or something. And if you start to move around and do put dancing in or whatever, you take this effect, you take away. So it depends what you want to do. You want to have, do this like, it's a manipulation. It's not really juggling. It's a manipulation. Yeah. If, what you want to bring over. And if you... I think I was the first one. Of the, I have three versions of juggling, which I don't do anymore. Uh, was the normal juggling, right? right. Really like a reverse tour. cascade. Yeah. Yeah. Then With was the like this, yeah. turning them like that, and then the one was in circle. The one in circle is very, very difficult. Yeah. I did uh, only a few years 
because it's really very hard. But then I had other jugglers and they said to me, what's that weird stuff you do with the boxes? Then it was weird stuff because it's different than what they normally did, no? See, yeah, yeah. And I remember to one I said, weird stuff? I mean, the other stuff is also weird because cigar boxes were never meant to be juggled, no? So everything is weird. If you say, I juggle cigar boxes, they were for the cigars anyway. So why juggle with them? I mean, it always depends on what you're thinking and right. how you approach uh, stuff. Yeah. I think one of the best things about your cigar box juggling is that you keep them so nicely lined up so you really keep that illusion. Like when they get kind of countered, you're not catching them evenly, it does ruin that illusion that they're kind of floating. Yes. And I think the the way you the way you work them to me is, is one of my favorite styles is because mm. they they all line up so nicely and you that illusion. And they the way don't you line up that music. nice anymore. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> okay. Well, well, we are two, so you have no chance to watch me. Everybody's watching my son. When you look at uh, the future of juggling and now you have, you're working with your son, which is nice because you've sort of seen it from both sides, where you had the, your father teaching you, now you're working with your son. Does that give you a certain perspective when you're working with him, you know, coming from having your father train you? Are you doing it a little bit differently than your father did with you or, or a lot of the same things carrying over? No, we do it completely different. My father got upset about everything when we were working together. Everything had to be really 100% and, and it has and we take it quite um, easy, you know. If, if he drops or something, uh, I never get upset and mm. uh, I encourage him that uh, this can happen and this is no problem and, uh, and we're actually having fun. Uh, with my father sometimes on tour, we didn't talk to each other for two weeks. Right. Uh, and that was actually cool because then he was not screaming at me. And then the, the worst for me was actually the next the next day in the morning when he would say good morning. I said, oh, there we go again. <laughs> right, we're going we're gonna to be talking. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, we are very good. And him, we, I have to laugh sometimes uh, about him on stage. And, and we just we really have, we have a ball. Nice. It's just a, a fun time. Uh, futures, yeah, I never wanted him to juggle uh, a professional. Now he does it somehow. But the next day he wants to seriously start to study something that we will see anyway. I mean, do you think the career is different now? It's harder. I know so many good acts who have no work. Because if you say, if you start something like this today, you have to think at least 20 years of a career, sure. you know, otherwise yeah, yeah. making enough money. And um, I don't think it's going to last uh, another 20 years. Well, you have the, like, the new circuits like the cruise ship, and now they want two 45-minute shows. Yeah. Which is, as a juggler, is... I mean, people do it, but it's not something the jugglers of the past would really yeah, look they at. Want, they want more time and pay less, yeah. Yeah, more time, pay less. So you really dad sort of came through this, uh, do you consider like a golden period of juggling? Because the, certainly the review shows and all the places to work. I and, think I was lucky to catch the end of the, of the better times. Right. And do you feel lucky to have done it for so long? Did you ever think when you started out that you'd be doing it for this long? No. Yeah. Of course not. There you go like this, where has the time been? Right. Incredible, yeah, no, I never, never told that I lived that long, you know. And do you look forward to the time when it's over? Like the, when the time when you stop your career, that you don't have to practice or have the pressure of, of being a juggler? Yeah, or? I don't look at this as pressure, you know. Right. I remember one time I came back from Europe. Mm -hmm. I arrived like something like four o'clock in the afternoon and a show in the evening. And Michael Cherry came by and he said, how can you do that? This is so much stress. I said, why? This is like going to the gym. People go to the gym and do a fitness training. Mm -hmm. So I go do my show. It's a kind of fitness training. Right. It depends how you look at it. Uh, I mean, well, plus it's in your body, right? It's you have so much muscle memory that it's just, it's just there. Yeah, but you just, for me, it always was fun. I never had really that stress when I was very young. I mean, 15, 16, 17, 18, there was some shows I wanted to run away. 
Right. I, I got so scared to perform. One time a friend of mine was holding me. So I, I go on because I really wanted to run away and, and hide. Oh. And one time I remember there was a big, big place in Interlaken, Germany, um, really a big theater. I, I was so scared. And my father was with me and he said to me, for the money they pay you, you, you can't be that bad. So don't worry about it. That's nice way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you weren't good, they wouldn't be yeah, paying you so much. Because it was uh, like it was a club date, and and the club dates you should get a certain amount. But I was young, and I, and and they take me, and they, of course they didn't pay me like they would have mm. paid somebody professional. So that's what he meant. He said, "Oh, so, I see. Yeah, so don't right, go, right. Because they're not paying you that much, so the, yeah. they can't expect much. I see. I thought you meant that they paid you so much you had to be good. Ah, no, so. no, no, no. And what do you think about like the the circus competitions? Because you've competed oh. in uh, Monaco and uh, that's called the circus. Cha the Circus World Championships in Monaco? Mm -hmm. Is that what no, they no, that was in London. London. Yeah. You competed in that, but you also, which one did they give the, the gold clown or the, that's uh, Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. Did you, you competed in those? Yes, but I have to tell you that I was always completely against this. And okay. never, so when the very first competition I did was the uh, World Championships in, in London, before I went to Vegas, I get a contract from an uh, agent in Paris, Franco Medini, it's not alive anymore. And it's a TV show. You do, you do a TV show now? Sure. Okay. So I signed this contract and then I called to Karl-Heinz Seaton. I say, oh, before I fly uh, to Vegas, I do a TV show in London. You should almost be this uh, festival. I said, what festival? He said, there's a festival, circus festival. I said, what festival? They're not doing festivals. <laughs> so, yeah. so I signed that contract without knowing that it was a competition. That's when you competed with Dick Franco and Rudy Schweitzer? No, that no, was the first one. one. That uh, Dick Franco and it was the second one. Where I, I had see. You. I was with uh, the father of uh, uh, Paul Ponce, Victor. Victor. With Victor was in there and um, Bob Parmesan. Oh, okay. That was the first one in 77. Yeah. So I didn't want to do that. And the second one I did because they wanted that they defend my title because I, I won. But I never used this advertisement and already there. There was really the first one was so big that was a, the world press was there from America, South America, from everywhere. And I said right there that all the jugglers were good. Yeah. There's no such thing as the best, you know? Sure, sure, so sure. This was for me always clear. Uh, but so the second one I had to do, do money anyway uh, to defend my title, yeah. And then I actually did the third one, but that was already the joke of the joke because they had the Chinese hired. And then they wanted that they compete against the Russians. All these government uh, artists, they want to win. So the Russians didn't want to go because the Chinese had already probably that they would win. Yeah, yeah. So the Russians didn't go. So then they want to have East Germany because it's also state artists. Mm -hmm. no, they didn't want to do it. So then they had the idea, okay, so we gather some acts from around the world and we call it China against the world. No, They called me in Vegas. They had the, the Rios was a very good uh, Wesley act, juggling his brother. They came from Paris and so So we all came uh, to London. We knew already we were going to lose. Because the China was going to win. Yeah, of course. It yeah, was yeah. obvious, you know. And we, and we <laughs> right, did, right, right, right. And we did lose. Sure, and then, sure, sure. And then I did, uh, two or three years later, I worked in Sweden uh, for a summer tour. And that comes uh, from the flying to pieces. Mexican boy comes to me and he says, this play act in the show, they beat you by two points in London. I said, see, and they didn't get any further. <laughs> they went the same shit. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> didn't make any difference. So we, we all took that very easy that sure. in London because we knew it we going to lose. It's a gig, know? right? Yeah, it was a gig. So this is about this uh, World Championship. Monte Carlo, I went to, I took three months off from Vegas and I went to make an old contract in Monte Carlo. They had a nightclub there. And they came, there's a, called, a Dr. Freya. 
he was a good friend of the don't know first in in, in German. I don't know what you call uh, the royalty in, in Monaco. I don't know in English what kind of title they have. I think well, there's princes and princesses. Yeah, okay, the prince, have, uh, yeah, prince Rainier. Prince Rainier. Uh, he wanted me to do that, and then he had this uh, friend of him, this Doctor Fair, which was in the organization. He came in, invited me for lunch and for dinner, and uh, then I said, no, I don't want to do the festival. And then what happened that I also got two club dates as a quite a big place called the Sporting Club. I got two club dates a little bit later, so actually gave me a few days in between where the festival was. And at that time, and it was totally different than, than today, they had five different shows. There were 60 acts. Now they have 25 acts and two shows. Oh. And every second one gets a clown. Now they have the, the gold, the silver, and the bronze. So it's a totally people different People won't go thing. unless they get an award. I probably. have no idea. Yeah. Finally, I said, okay. And I was there already. And then we did the contract. and. Uh, that's how they took me into that one. But, and then I did only one more in, in Germany. It was called the International German Award in Hanover. Right. Uh, also a long time ago. I think it was in, uh, did that, 92. Now, didn't they have like a Rastelli competition as well? Is that they used to in, in Italy. My father did that. Did yeah. he? Yeah, my yeah. father got dirt there in that. Yeah, I remember like yeah. Eva Vida and people like yeah. that. Yeah, but that didn't exist anymore when mm. I was. So, so actually, I'm, I'm not crazy about thing and but I understand the system I mean people are you know circus people are not so much interested in circus anymore so but festivals you yeah. know have a different name it's competition there we go people like competition and then they they get the circus full and in Monte Carlo is also a place a, a time of the year where it not so much happening, right? Uh, so they have the festival. The early hotels. in the year, is it early yeah. in the year. Or? Uh, now it's in uh, January, yeah. right? So they have uh, the hotels are full, the restaurants are full, the circus is full. Everybody's making money. Everybody's happy. There's also other purposes than just the love to circus. You did a, a duo show with with Anthony Gatto. That was for the 30th anniversary. I yeah. see. Did, was that their idea? That was uh... no. Of course, they, if if I have ideas, nobody listens to me because <laughs> I'm just a juggler. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is that everybody does his act. What, what right. Is, you get hired there, and then for the festival, I mean, that was out of competition. Mm -hmm. The whole show only for the 30th. All um, all clown winners were invited. I see. I see. It was only clown winners. Got you. you do your act. Yeah. Two times. They have an A show and a B show. Mm -hmm. Then it's an A show, then it's a B show, then it's the A show and it's a B show. So I was working by myself, Anthony did his act. And then they have to call the, the gala show. Yeah. Where both shows, A and B, are combined. I see, I see. One show is already four and a half hours. Yeah. So if you take both shows, A and B is nine <laughs> hours. So what they do is they put some acts together yeah. to make it a little bit shorter. It's still a five and a half hour show. In the yeah, end, yeah, you yeah. know, it's finished in the morning, two o'clock or something. And then they come with this idea and they ask. And then I must say, Anthony, anyway, I got uh, along very good with Anthony. He even came, I was working in Spain and he had uh, some work in Germany. Then he came even all the way to Spain. Hmm. And we tried to figure out what we could do together. We practiced a few days. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, very professional, you know, yeah. to make it. It came out good. I, I saw it on videos. And yeah. Nice. And then, um, it's, you're so different, but you're both at a certain level. So it yeah. worked that you could go back yeah, and Yeah, I think it worked out pretty good. I did this uh, two or three years ago again, the 40th anniversary. Oh, did you? Yeah. With the Chinese, Chinese place. Okay. <laughs> was, that, was that different? <laughs> that was funny. Was it fun? Yeah. They're just fun. Well, Chris, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I mean, it's been such a pleasure. And, you know, like I said before, how much you've inspired me and how much I think you mean to juggling. There's a Mount Rushmore of jugglers you'd be one of the faces so of you have there. to write me down. Which juggler I have to watch? 
Oh, Just Eric modern, Bates. Modern cigar boxes. Yeah, Eric Bates. Yeah. Bates. But he'll, he's very, like you say, he's very dancey. Yeah. There's lots of movement. He also works with this group, uh, Seven Fingers of the Hand. Mm -hmm. And they make it kind of a group number where the other people are, are interacting with it. So it's very different than what you do. We had a very good cigar box juggler this year, too, in the IGA. Yeah. It's very nice. It's not a very popular prop. This guy, Liam Halstead. Very, very good. Especially now they're doing four and five boxes. Yeah, but it's again different, four and five. Yeah. It's very impressive because it's, you have to toss it high. And there's also a new Japanese style that, that's coming out with the boxes. I don't see that many people performing with them. Of course, I don't see that yeah, many again, you got in, I got already criticized when I started with the four little suitcases. And people would say it's not the style. But the idea actually was when I started Circus, and like in Blackpool Tower Circus, I was on after the elephants. So you have to five, six big elephants in the ring and then I come with the ball ahead. So I figured it's a little bit bigger, you know, and, um, and Krone on season, uh, Circus Krone in, in, on season is a, it's a, it's a huge big circus. Yeah. You know, they have a stage up, then you have the sta stairs down, then you have a huge ring. So 5,000 people go in there, but it was more like drawing the first attention, then start my act. So that was the... That was the idea. But I had lots of people who would say, that it's not your act. Your act is three balls, three air. And so. So yeah. Therefore, I, I cannot go into four and five. Uh, with four cigar boxes, I practice a lot, but uh, it's not my style. Then you do this. I like the suitcases. I remember when I directed the festival in IGA, I specifically said, I want you to come out doing the suitcases. Yeah. Because it's very novel. And I like the, the novelty. You also juggled uh, the large uh, Swiss flags. Yeah. That's another big thing that maybe was a good big well, especially filler. because they uh, it's also long stories behind it when i had the idea it was in the late 60s and then i want to order them and i called up the swiss federation uh, of, of of because this is a uh, folklore uh, mm -hmm. it's a traditional thing in switzerland yeah the flags yeah. the flag tossing and they said uh, what for you want to have them I said, well, you know, I'm a circus performer. Circus performer? No, no, we don't sell them to you. Oh. So I couldn't even get them. Right. And then I had a friend who was, uh, you have to be a member there. And I had a friend who was a member, so he got me the first three. The three were a little bit smaller ones. They're mm -hmm. not the original size to start to practice. And then I got the original size. They're very expensive. One flag is something like $3,000 now. For one flag? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're silk of, uh, like they have for parachutes. And then it's interesting because it's a totally different uh, technique to juggle. These stupid little suitcases, so to speak. Yeah. It was a combination between hoop and club, actually. Because like you have a kind of an oversized like handle a, on it. Like a hammer. Yeah, it's yeah. A half a hoop. Yeah. But you know, even Dick Franco never juggled the four. He can, he, that time when he seven, like, like mm -hmm. nothing. And uh, there were some other jugglers because they're so strange to throw, yeah. especially to start them out. Because they're, they're thick, and, so you have and to they're, kinda... And they're heavy. And it's really a different technique, the way you throw them and the way you catch them, that there are really some jugglers who can do several hoops and not juggle before. I feel kind of bad because I remember after I saw them that I asked you to bring them, I thought, oh, those, that's kind of a, a lot to ask somebody because it's a, a, they're big props. Yeah. Did they pack down? Or they, no. no. They, they, but they you brought them because yeah. Yeah. You, were, you were nice about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we've gone over our time, but... Let's talk about one more thing. Uh, you had a, a movie that people maybe should check out. Ah, the movie, yeah. Yeah, because I remember watching this movie. It was a gambling movie about Las Vegas. And almost <clears> in the credits, here's your, here's like basically almost your entire act over the credits. I, I saw that movie in Vegas in the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because nobody got up. The credits, nobody, they start to get up and walk away. Yeah. And the movie theater was full in that time. The movie, I think, was a flop. It was not a big hit. No, it wasn't. It, it, it didn't make it yeah. really. Uh, I remember because Siegfried Roya in the in the credits at the beginning, mm -hmm. 
and they were really upset about it that the movie didn't do good and it wasn't a good movie. And but it was interesting. People were really watching, and it's, yeah, quite a. But there was a. I read the reviews. It said the movie isn't very good, but stay to watch the juggler during the credits. I don't believe you because he is I don't fantastic. Think so. I don't. Nice so, that you say that, but I don't believe you. That was called uh, Looking to Get Out. Looking to Get so Out. So people want to check to get that out. out. Looking to Get Out. Yeah. yeah, I forget who was in it. Maybe some stars. Uh, there was... Uh, James Caan? No, 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 no. no. Um, Holy Moses. Uh, I have him right in... in uh, see him in front of me and I can't think of... George uh, Siegel? No, 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 no. no. Then was... Um, forget. Because there's also... That's a funny story, actually, I can tell you. John Voight was it. John Voight. John Voight and Anne Margaret. Who? Anne Margaret. Oh, Anne Margaret. Yes. Right, right. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I had signed a TV uh, show in Germany while I was in Vegas before asking the management if I can have off uh, uh, those days. They would give you off sometimes, three, Mm -hmm. four days, you can do something else. Yeah. And uh, certainly the stage manager comes up with two guys, very German looking. And I go, oh, I hope there's not the guys from the German TV because I, I signed this contract there before asking if I can make it. Oh, you know? I see. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That was it. And then this one blonde guy with the blue eyes is standing in front of me, exactly it's my, my size of body, you know, my height. And he's looking at me, I'm looking at him. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him. And then he goes, I'm John Voight. Oh. Because I only remember John Voight from the Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, yeah. And there he looks like, I don't know, like seven the, foot. He's Joe Buck. He's like he's a like, tall cowboy. Yeah, he's a, he's a big, tall yeah. cowboy. But it's really my height. It's, uh, it's, it's the magic of the movies, huh? And so I didn't I said, you're John Voight? You know, I was like, and then he uh, he came because he wanted to do this movie. Actually, the story plays at the MGM, at mm-hmm. the old MGM, which is Barley's now in Vegas. But the show they took from the Stardust, yeah. And what do you think about Vegas nowadays? It's changed a lot. It's... Uh, I think it's it's wonderful. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's a different town than it. It's. Have you worked uh, there recently, or? or I work, actually. I was lucky that uh, I anyway I go there almost every year to visit mm-hmm. still some friends there. But there was an English producer, and he would uh, uh, rent uh, theaters like at uh, New Orleans and uh, up in uh, Summerlin. It's a new place up. And I would do Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We do a oh, variety. Right. So I did that quite a, a few times. Uh, so that was fun. You know what is nice now? The greenery. When I worked there, there was no greenery. Yeah. There was just uh, the, the desert. The desert and and the buildings. Mm-hmm. And now all the new um, hotels, they put a lot of greenery, you know, trees and bushes. And so I think they made it look very nice. Yeah. But not as many jugglers. More greenery, less jugglers. Not so many shows, huh? Did they ever a offer soleil, you a, a Cirque du Soleil contract? Were no, you interested in that? No, or? no. They invited me a few times for auditions, but I told them I don't do auditions. Mm. Well, they, you Plus, I know Gila Liberty, I know actually personally, yeah. so no, no. <laughs> it's okay. It's, so what does it, the future hold? Do you have more engagements after this one is over? or I go after here, I go back to Tiger Palace for five mm-hmm. months. Nice. That's a long one. After that, um, I didn't do anything. Then I'll stay home a little bit and then, yeah, at one point, at one point it will be finished. Judging by how you're doing, five months at the Tigger Palace and this contract, I see another 10, 20 years. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I have to. Well, I want to do the 50th anniversary at Monte Carlo. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Another 10 years. I have huh? to wait. No, but I have to wait another. Well, so. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing your show tomorrow to see yeah. you perform with your son. Mm. Hope you will not be disappointed. No, I've never been disappointed. I've seen you maybe five times. Only. Really? Yeah, at okay. least five times. That's not that much. 
And uh, every time I'm yeah. transported back well, to that. Anyway, it's different now. So. What was he with your son? Yeah. Yeah. And this seems like a nice and circus, very close, very intimate. Yeah, it's a stage, you know, it's yeah. not really a circus, it's more like a theater. It's like a stage. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And it's interesting, you know, when I did the act with, put together with my son, I, I didn't look at the old videos with my father. Okay. More or less, it's the same idea. Yeah, yeah. Like side by side. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, what was interesting is that I had to look at this clip last year because somebody wanted to have, uh, that I cut something together before our act to see oh. how I worked with my father and then nice I worked with the, yeah. my son. So I had to go too because I had to um, edit it. And I, did, I saw that the, the three balls, for example, mm -hmm. with my father was not so much synchronized, it was more solos. Mm -hmm. And there Alternate. was a few, there was a few synchronized. And with my son, it's two-thirds synchronized. Cool. Well, I can't wait. the beginning, uh, we start together, then he has one solo, I have one solo. Oh, oh. that's it. I do the head and cigar alone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, one of my yeah. favorites. Really? Yeah. And I have one you already. You know, the afternoon shows are okay because they open the tent a little bit on the side and the light is good. The lighting is terrible for a juggler. In, in, that, in that ring. And they actually have enough lights, but this the guy who does the lights, I think it's the first year he does it. And it's every, every time. Uh, yeah, my wife wanted to know why the cigar didn't break in half. I said, well, it's not real. It's a prop cigar. I, I, don't, I, I don't light it here. Oh, you don't light it? No. But you have one that has like a plug in it, like a tobacco plug or something, you can light it? And... No, I can light it. Uh, it's just because of the children. Oh, America, okay. no smoking mm. generation. Yeah, everything is I'm changed. really surprised I could do it because in um, Big Apple, yeah. when I did Big Apple, they didn't let me do a cigar. Really? Because, because, it's, because it's a cigar? Yeah, because they're uh, afraid the sponsors uh, complain, you know, smoking, cigar. And there's no animals in this circus? Do you no think, animals, uh... except us. <laughs> right. Well, what do you think about... Uh, animals in the circus was that a loss that now they yes of course yeah. it's traditional circus traditional. It's, um, yeah more and more in Europe also no more elephants uh, no against the wild animals and well maybe less that, animals more yeah, especially if you think last year was uh, 250 years of circus yeah. celebration it's not very long no if you look uh -huh. at history in general and so after 250 the circus is Actually, the, the circus as it was, the, the traditional circus. We lost Ringling Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, but they also, I think it's not only that. I think the, the, the children, they they want to spend money on real estate, not on circus. <laughs> yeah, and now we have the only juggling we see now is on America's Got Talent. Would you think, ever think of doing a show like that? Or? I have no connection to it, and then I wouldn't do a show like that. Yeah. We have something that is in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want more of like a sort of a story. I could do balls at one point, and I could do boxes, and I could do top hats. Right. Because the most problem is somebody goes there with a three-minute act, and the next time he has the same three-minute act. Yeah. So. so you could you could come back at different different times. I could come with a different. I don't want to see and you. With a different. Yeah, I'm not doing I don't it. I'm not going to do it. I want to see you in that. I don't want to stand there and say, oh, yeah, but what you do is not really good, you know? Some of them, I cannot imagine how they have right, it. Right. I want to see you tomorrow night. I want to see the in the circus uh, environment with your son and I'll be there cheering. Good. Good or bad. But you know what? I know it's going to be good. Okay. It's what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks, Chris. Hey. It's a yeah. real pleasure and... Uh... Well, thank you. I hope you enjoyed Drop Everything podcast number 73, my conversation with Chris Cremo. Thank you, Chris, for taking the time to do the podcast and thank you for being such an inspiration in my life and the life of so many other jugglers. Let's thank our sponsor by going to juggle.org. Look up the IJA. 
International Jugglers Association. Find out about their yearly festival and all the other great products and services they offer to the world of juggling. Now, go out in the world. Drop everything except when you're juggling.